0: What's up, everybody? Today, Vox and Hops, episode number 12. I sit down with Brittany Slays, the vocalist of Unleash the Archers. What a fucking great singer this girl is. Jesus. She's just got such an intense voice, excellent stage performer. So much fun just to sit down and talk to and see her, you know, behind the persona. I love that shit. Uh, We sat down, we talked about how she learned how to sing in a choir at the age of eight. Uh, She tells me all about the latest experience of recording her album in Denmark with Jacob Hansen, the producer. And she tells me about how, you know, they go sightseeing on tour, which is, you know, not a lot of bands actually make time for that. They're like, no, we're going to sleep in. We're not going to wake up extra early so that we can go see the Grand Canyon. But no, they do. Unleash the Archers are those types of dudes and girl. So check it all out. Here it is. Vox and Hops, episode number 12. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, how's it going? Uh, Matt here with Brittany Slays from Unleash the Archers. We're here at the Piranha Bar on St. Catherine Street in Montreal, and uh, you're about to go on shortly later. And uh, we're sitting down at Fritte à l'Or, and we just ordered uh, a beer. And the beer that we're drinking tonight is uh, La Saison du Tracteur from Trou du Diable. little background of uh, Trou du Diable. It was a huge, uh, one of the bigger micro-brews that was coming out in Quebec. It was getting extremely popular, and it was just bought by Molson. And oh, there was no. like a big, big uproar and people were pissed. Yeah, But this, you know, the, the qualities remain the same and it's, you know, we, I, we can go to places and order a good craft beer because it's getting distributed through Molson now. So mm-hmm. it's like a win, lose situation, but so far it's been good. That's good. So what's been up with you?
1: Not much. Just, you know, the ways of the road. <laughs> same old, same old.
0: How long has this tour been going on?
1: Um, we've been on the road for three weeks now and two weeks are left
0: okay nice yeah. five weeker
1: yeah big one
0: do you like uh, long tours or do you have like a certain cutoff point when you wish it was over
1: well I used to really like long tours I'm getting older now though <laughs> so um it's been uh, no it's been awesome though I mean you kind of you hit you tend to hit this wall around like three weeks where it's just like oh god get me out of here but then once you get through that it's just like it's so easy you just wake up you do your thing you play you sleep you wake up It's just becomes a routine and it becomes life so yeah
0: it's, it's, it's a strange thing that not many people that don't tour would actually comprehend like a day in the life of a touring musician the, right. the amount of time that we spend waiting <laughs> yeah. can become tedious what, what do you do <clears throat> to, to manage that time
1: well on this tour I'm actually acting tour manager so uh, most of the time in the van I'm doing a lot of paperwork and work business all that sort of stuff but um, it, normally I would be watching movies or playing video games I got a switch uh before the last europe tour so uh i picked up donkey kong before we left but i haven't had any time to play it i'm just like ah um, but yeah I'll, I'll like uh download some whatever latest season of whatever's hot right now on netflix that kind of thing normally yeah
0: that's how I survive. That's how I survive, too. I bring my tablet and I just load it up with a whole bunch of, you know, shit that my wife would never watch with me. So. <laughs>
1: exactly. Like, I do all the horror movies and everything. Scott hates horror movies, so I just never get the time to watch them at home. So,
0: What is it about horror movies that speaks to you so much?
1: I think I just really enjoy being scared. I love... Roller coasters too. Like I love, I don't know, the exhilaration. The scarier the the movie, the better. And it, but it's actually I've seen a lot of horrors now, so it's getting harder and harder to be scared. So you really have to impress me. <laughs>
0: um, if you had to name, like, what what style of horror movie do you like? Is it the gore or is it the the yeah, mystery not really suspense? Big, not really
1: a big slasher film kind of person. I find them a little bit too predictable. Um, but I'm down, kind of, with whatever. I guess possessions are always fun. Um, <clears throat> hauntings are good. Uh, I don't know something with like a something with a twist. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't mind Babadook. I thought that was good. It wasn't really scary, but I liked it. Um, Lights Out. That was a good one. That was yeah. That was a probably a, yeah the last time I was like oh okay yeah no interesting twist but yeah. Whatever. As long as it's scary.
0: (laughs) What about classic horror movies? What would be your top classic horror movie?
1: Um, Probably, well, just because I have a soft spot for zombies, but any of the Romero zombie films. Like the first time I ever saw, um, actually, um, Night of the Living Dead. was one of of my favorites and then there was like I think it was Night of the Living Dead 2 or 3 where the guy's girlfriend I can't remember which one it was she became a zombie and in order to not eat people she would be like constantly piercing herself or like cutting things off and stuff like she's just trying to like the only thing that would stop her from eating people was by uh, afflicting herself with pain so that was a good one Um, yeah I don't know class yeah whatever anything I'll watch them all But the probably the first uh, Night of the Living Dead was one of my favorites.
0: I do remember when I saw that for the first time. It was playing like late night on a Saturday on, you know, local TV. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I just like stumbled across it and I spent the whole night just like enthralled in this movie. Right, yeah.
1: And, and like I, there's something just so scary about zombies and the thought of them. And yet you can't stop watching, you know. Mm, it's so good. Let's taste this beer. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. It smells weedy. Oh, it's really good. Yeah. yeah. It's a classic. Uh,
0: <laughs> really, really good, yeah.
1: So it's a saison? Is that what that is? I think, you know, I've never really um, had a saison that I don't like, actually, so far. So from, nice from what, choice.
0: From, from what I understand, saisons use traditional Belgian yeast, which eats up most of the sugar.
1: Oh, okay, in
0: the beers, which gives it that drier, less fruity taste, and
1: hence why it's also six percent. That's not too bad. I thought it was going to be like eight percent or something. Anytime you mentioned Belgian, <laughs> you got to be careful. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: you got. Last be careful. time we played there, yeah.
1: I definitely had a few too many, not realizing that it was going to be too many. <laughs> you got to be so careful. strong. Yeah.
0: Do you like craft beer? Is it something in your life that you explore?
1: Um, I mean, it's not not really. I. I do, however, hang out with a lot of people that do. And so every time we're in the beer store, it's kind of like, well, everyone else is getting something cool. I'm going to try something cool. It's not like a crazy passion, but it's just something that is sort of a part of my life because it's it's so huge in Vancouver, especially. So uh, I love, you know, we have um, a few places like Alibi Room that have like insane amount of taps that you can try. So I always try and (laughs) pick something new every time I go, but um, I'm also like the worst for like hoppy beers, IPAs, I can't do them and that kind of thing, and so we're like really strong stouts, they're just too much for me, so I find that it's harder for me to find something that I like in the winter months, because it's always really thick, heavy, um, wintry beers, but in the summertime, it's like, oh man, I get myself a peach weed ale or you know anything, blondes, lots of good stuff, Hefeweizens, all that stuff. So,
0: Have you stepped into the world of sour beers yet?
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. I'm a fan of the Sours. Um, actually, we had one just the other day. Uh, there's a really good brewery in Vancouver called... Um, oh, it starts with a D. Dang it, it's going to elude me. Just, oh, you know, you got to turn your brain on That's sometimes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you had a good um, one the other day. Yes, yeah. Uh, but... Yeah, they're you know they're kind of they can be hit or miss a little bit.
0: Do you remember what your first experience with beer was like?
1: Yes, I do actually. Like my very first beer I ever had, <laughs> I was at home and my brother was having friends over. He was three years older than I was, and uh, he was a huge influence on me musically. And so um, all of his friends were hanging out downstairs, and I think like my parents were away or something, or at least my mom was. <laughs> my dad doesn't mind if we have a few friends over and uh I came downstairs and my brother was like get out of here like no stop hanging out with my friends and uh, but then one of his buddies leaned over the back of the couch and was like hey you want one and it was like a multi Canadian or something and I was like oh my god so cool I must have been like I don't know 11, 12, and um I oh, god, I could barely get through it. <laughs> I was like, oh man, I'm not really enjoying this. So the first time that I actually like went out drinking with my friends, I was like, no beer, no beer. And then, uh, oh, we did like hard bar or something. It was absolutely horrible. So uh, then I relearned the wonders of beer and became a more of a beer person than anything else.
0: Do you remember what beer or what then when that transition happened that you became more... Palatable towards beer?
1: Probably uh, like grade eight, I would say. When we, <clears throat> I know that's for really the young to be drinking, like, how old are you? 14. Um, we would get, um, eight packs of like the super strong stuff and just split it like, so four and four. (laughs) And that was like just the best night ever. And you could go all night long and, uh, and you wouldn't get like too drunk. And so that just kind of that, yeah, that was like where I realized that it was like the better drunk for me personally, as a human being like on hard bar or anything like that, I just get a little too wild. So, um, (laughs) but then like in university when I was playing rugby really hard, like beers, you crush them in the morning in the shower before the game you crushed him before the game he crushed him after the game it was like you know Drinking beer was a part of the whole lifestyle of being a rugby player. So it was really important.
0: It's almost like tour training.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I was so good at this, I guess.
0: (laughs) Tell me about you growing up. You mentioned you had an older brother. Mm -hmm. Your parents were together, I assumed. Uh, What was your life like growing up? What kind of kid were you in school?
1: (laughs) Well, uh, I was pretty nerdy. I was always very quiet. I was a reader, big time. Um, If ever I had to go anywhere, I always had a book with me. Uh, even to my grandparents' concert, where I was in the front row reading a book, <laughs> I felt really bad about that. Now, you know, thinking back on it, um, <laughs> but I just didn't want to have my life in the real world. I guess I wanted to live in the fantasy realm that I sing about now. Um, but uh, then I kind of came out of my shell a little bit when I met my g- girlfriends, who are still my best friends to this day, and uh, I learned, you know, how much I love music and how much I love singing and so music became a really big part of my life and it's really funny because uh, I was in drama, I was in musical theater I was in choir, I was in band I was everything that you could think of to do with music but I was also into sports like played every sport ever imaginable except soccer and and then there was this other side of me that was like super nerdy, wants to just stay home and play video games and read books all day so it was like this weird dynamic of a human being but it kept me really busy. Like I was just always doing something. And I think that if I didn't play sports, I probably would have not stayed in high school because I just was so bored by it all. And, um, eventually started taking IB though, international baccalaureate, which is like the upper level classes and that kept me interested. So, but it was kind of, I'm just like this weird, weird paradox of a human being. That's like, I'm very introverted and yet. I'm on stage, like, in front of hundreds of people all the time. It's just kind of like these two personas that I have to keep separate from one another. I find that the more that I interview people, the more that
0: I find that about people. Most people that are, like, front people, front Mm -hmm. women, front men, tend to be extremely introverted. Mm -hmm. And it's like, maybe it's like a part of our therapeutic experience
1: or something to get yeah. out of
0: there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> spending that time on stage or you know, getting the music out of us is so important to us mm-hmm. that we must confront that.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that I'd probably lose my mind if I didn't play music or do something musically. There was a year there when I really focused on rugby um, and I wasn't doing anything musically and I was so unhappy and I was just like, why, why do I feel so crappy? And then I realized that I wasn't Singing, so I joined a choir. Like the next year, and uh, felt much better with that balance. So, what age did
0: you start singing, or envision yourself being a singer?
1: Well, I don't, I don't really remember it, but there's pictures of me like when I was six years old with my dad's old SM fifty-seven um, in the living room where we had like it was a really weird fireplace. It had like a raised ledge, and I would always sit on stand on the ledge with the microphone and sing. And this was like before really anything I ever knew that even that I was a singer so uh, but my parents knew obviously and they put me in choir as soon as I was old enough to because it was like you had to be at least eight years old in order to be in the community choir so the second that I was able to do that um, and I've been singing ever since just kind of really important part of my life
0: (laughs) throughout that choir experience did they give you like formal music musical training as well like all note reading and yeah we had um
1: like our regular conductor and then his wife was actually um a teacher she's an opera singer and a teacher at the local like college or whatever it's called and so she would come in once every month i think it was and then we'd do all theory and everything with her. and she you know teaches how to sing from the diaphragm and all that sort of stuff. And um, I was really too young to kind of take it in in those days. So when I took music again in university, I really soaked it up. That's kind of when I learned the most.
0: Um, so you went to university for no,
1: voice? No, <laughs> I actually went for history, but then uh, realized that I should have probably been in the music program and took every k- class that I could that you didn't have to have like the music program um, prereqs for. So like anything like vocal diction, um, yeah, lots of stuff that I just that were like electives that you could take without being in the program. So just ate that up as soon as I realized my mistake. But I really enjoy history and I love I'm a big nerd when it comes to that kind of thing. So uh, it's not that I didn't enjoy my degree I just maybe should have done, done a double major or something hmm. which would have kept me even busier <laughs> <laughs>
0: when did the band start
1: um, right after I graduated university uh, Scott and I were dating all through school and he was in a band that whole time uh, a death metal band and, uh, and pretty much like right after we both graduated the band broke up and so I said well why don't we do something and I called up his guitar player from that band and I said you know Scott and I were talking and we were thinking that maybe we'd do something with me as a vocalist and he was like yeah absolutely let's do it and then we found two other members online in the Victoria community because a huge music scene there back in the day still still is it's good and um, and yeah we just kind of started it together
0: and is that that's Unleashed the Archers yep. You're, you had one band
1: well I was in this other band for like a month but it was like super symphonic Kay. and it wasn't really my style and I kind of I realized it right away and was just like no and then I didn't want to yeah I don't know there was I, there was this thing called um it was like a Victoria musicians website and so you post on there if you're looking for a project or if you're looking for members for your project. And so I was constantly, you know, scrolling through there trying to see if there was a project that would be right for me. And I never could find anything. So I was just like, you know, what, I'm just gonna let's just start something brand new. So yeah, pretty much UTA was my first, first ever band. That's that's you know rare,
0: <laughs> extremely interesting. I I love shit like that. But <laughs> it's like one project and it just works. I'm not saying you guys didn't work at it. No, it's yes, definitely worked, you know it's been a, many. <laughs> many years it's been running and yep. I've heard the name. I remember hearing of this band <laughs> back when I was in Three Mile. You guys should play with this band. <laughs> yeah. So uh, how many years now has it been running?
1: Um, it'll be 11 this October. Yeah. Oh, it is October. 11 years. That's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's pretty. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it. It's gone by really fast. We've kind of just been taking it year by year. You know, we didn't have like a five-year plan or anything. So it just really crept up on us. Yeah.
0: Who were some... You know you you trained in voice and music training, you were in choirs who were some metal singers that you looked up to that you know inspired you to sing more aggressively?
1: Well, it was the first time that I heard a metal band and was like i c- I could do this because i'd listened to metal my whole life because of my brother um, and it was always like pantera white zombie tool, you know kind of that kind of stuff so but the first time I heard a band and said. I can take my love of metal and my love of music and singing and put them together was Iron Maiden so uh, I heard Bruce Dickinson and just fell in love and uh, found as many other CDs as I could get my hands on and then from that it led to Judas Priest and Queensryche and and then uh, you know just kind of grew from there so probably the, the two three biggest influences for me vocally were Bruce Dickinson um, Rob Halford and Jeff Tate and they kind of helped me to um, realize that that's what I wanted to do with my voice I didn't want to be in choir my whole life I mean although that would be awesome I actually miss it a lot but um, and then I heard Daniel Heyman from Lost Horizon who kind of took what what those guys do and he just brought it to a whole nother place and that's really where i started to realize that i needed to put a harder edge on my voice and leave the classical singer behind
0: (laughs) how did that affect your technique
1: Uh, a lot more like i rough it up a lot more now because of him and um like if you listen to behold versus apex like 10 years apart pretty much um the, the, yeah, it's uh, there's definitely a lot more confidence there, but it's also I just feel like I push myself a lot harder and play I play with that roughness a lot more. than just I adding did a bit more
0: like harshness to your vocal tone.
1: Yeah, like Quite a bit more belting and kay. as opposed to just keeping it where it's comfortable.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how does that affect you when you're on the road?
1: W- yeah, well, I got <laughs> had to train myself to be able to do it night what after ste- night without What losing steps it.
0: were those training?
1: Just time, really, and it really had to focus on placement. So, like, when you do a kind of a, a rougher sound, you don't want to do it in the throat because... Um, You know, that'll ruin your vocal folds, shred them to little bits. So just kind of figuring out physically where to place it in my mouth and continue to um, train my body to always put it there so that if I'm reaching for a note, my body instinctively knows to do that instead of pushing. So it was just kind of a lot of time and a lot of, um, me by myself in the jam spot. <laughs> yeah.
0: I find it interesting as you're telling me that the placement, I, I can picture you visualizing cause you're moving your hand yeah. in this way that, you know, as a singer, you have to like visualize when you're sending stuff and you're moving your soft palate around. Exactly. So I'm wondering yeah. if that's what you're doing oh, with yes. the hand movement. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: For sure. That's <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs>
0: that's awesome. Just
1: imagining the sound like bouncing from place to place and just make sure that
0: you don't. Who is the best extreme metal vocalist active today in your opinion?
1: Oh, Probably just because the way he swaps from clean to 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 extreme is um, Bjorn Strid from Sol- Soil Work. I just absolutely love his voice. But I love his, like, his clean voice too. It's like the combo, you know what I mean? Have you so- heard Night Flight Orchestra? Yes, of course. Uh, absolutely. Dude, I put that stuff on at work all the time. It's, it's my so cleaning good. music. Right? Yeah. I put that
0: shit on and I clean my house. It's, it totally <laughs> is
1: perfect for that. We have, a, for my work, we have a showroom that we work and it's always uh, by appointment only so i'm just in there by myself usually waiting for someone so i'll put that on and then just like tidy everything up and make it all perfect and set out the waters and all that sort of stuff and yeah it's it's just like happy time music
0: what, what is work when you say you're not on tour what do you do for work
1: i'm in uh the lighting industry so i'm actually a manufacturer's rep so we represent several lighting manufacturers and we sell their product to stores and then stores sell them to the layman.
0: When you say lighting, do you mean stage lighting or just lighting in general? No, just
1: lighting. Chandeliers. Okay. Table lamps. <laughs> wall <laughs> sconces. I cannot help but see them everywhere I go now. So if you ever see me just staring up at the sky, I'm like, yeah, what that's a, a d- horrible place for a pot light. You that's, know?
0: that's a T23344 there? Uh. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Should have been an A19 in there. I don't know what they're thinking. <laughs> you,
0: <know? laughs> you, you mentioned that uh, now you sing about being in a fantasy land. Is there an overlying theme? to your lyrics
1: just kind of take 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 me away in general most for the most part um, this last record was a concept album so it had one story uh, running through the whole thing but for the most part yeah it's just kind of um, I i do not sing about real life i just avoid it as much as i can and um, if i am singing about real life like i did a little bit on time still i'm i'm veiling it in um kind of analogies or um yeah fantastical references that could be brought down to you know regular everyday life so i just try not to I'm ne- you're, ne- you're never going to hear me sing about heartbreak or, you know, losing my job or anything like that. <laughs> my truck breaking down—it's just not who I am.
0: We'll save that for the country. <laughs>
1: yes. Your country We've been listening, album. Listening to a lot of country on this tour. So <laughs> really. <laughs> well, the whole band has. Yeah. We because George, our driver, is kind of like in charge of the tunes, and you know, he just puts on whatever he feels like. And and uh, Andy King is in the front seat, so he's the one that's influencing quite a bit into the country. But we're all loving it. We actually after. Every set, we get in the van and we drive to the hotel or wherever it is that we're going and we put on um, that If Heaven Ain't A Lot Like Dixie. Yeah, that's our play me out song.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Where do you draw inspiration from throughout all these lyrics? Where have you, like when you say fantasy, mm-hmm. is it Tolkien-esque or a elsewhere?
1: Bit. It's a little bit of everything. Comic books, books, movies, video games. Um the movie actually Willow was a pretty good influence. It's like my favorite film of all time ever. So underrated. So, right? And it stands the test of time. If you watch it tomorrow, it's you feel like you're watching a, a, something that came out yesterday. Huh? I have Celine Swan, <laughs> <at Molder. laughs> That's so good. I have friends where like we don't even talk to each other. We just quote Willow at one another like it's wow. not a- <laughs> <laughs>
0: I watched it way you too that much. It's
1: <laughs> so good. I watched That's it way perfect. too much as a little kid. Uh, oh, yeah, it raised me, raised me that movie. I would come home from school by myself and just put it on and sit there until my parents got home. and they would never have to worry about me because I'd be watching that. But there was um a, ver- a lot of Bav Morda in my antagonist character in the apex. Um, Storyline. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I'm going to have to go read those lyrics. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's a, uh, the matriarch is like the, the, the bad guy. So it's very much a lot of bath Morda in there. <laughs>
0: good transition point. How fed up are you of being asked about what it's like to be a girl in metal?
1: <laughs> well, it doesn't happen too much anymore. Thankfully. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that question is just, it doesn't make any sense really. Like when you think about it, it doesn't make any sense. Well, how does it feel to be a boy in a metal band?
0: Nobody would ask that. No, exactly.
1: Why, like, oh, I don't know. I hate having to, like, um, what pee sitting down? I don't know. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. You you don't make all the guys Uh, pee
0: sitting down on on the tour bus (laughs) when you're there.
1: Well, that would be nice if they did. Actually, I never thought of that. Um, No, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I don't. My favorite is the when uh, I heard that. Um, Nervosa got asked on tour one time. So, what's the girliest thing you've ever done on the road? <laughs> it's like, what? I, like, what? What do you mean? What constitutes girly? Like, yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. That is the strangest question ever. And um, so, but luckily, I think we're coming to the end of that. Um, we're not special and we're not different. So, we all just love heavy metal just as much as the next guy.
0: <laughs> How do you feel about? the all-girl tour packages or female-fronted tour packages. Oh, like
1: Metal Female Voices yeah. tour? Whatever. Whatever sells the tickets, I guess. You can. There are some people out there that will only listen to female-fronted metal, So, despite the genre. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's just kind of whatever. I'm fine with that. If people want to put us on a bill with a bunch of female-fronted metal or if they want to throw us on a bill with a blackened death metal band, I'm fine with that, too. Yeah, just kind of... Whatever the fans want.
0: That's a good answer. (laughs) That's the right answer. What is the best piece of advice you could give someone that's starting a band right now?
1: Save your money. (laughs) (laughs) Money. (laughs) Everything comes down to money. Whether or not you got the money for the flights, the money for the gear, money for the merch, money for the recording, it all costs money. That's really, it's kind of a sad, jaded opinion, but... um, I found that's the only um, obstacle we ever had, especially in the early days, was trying to raise up enough money to have enough shirts when we left on the road to pay for gas every night or to have a recording that was quality enough that people would actually want to buy it. And, uh, you know, to be able to fix the van if it broke down, you know, when you were five provinces away from home, it was always about making sure that you had enough money in the bank. And there was more than a few times there where we were asking fans to bring food to the venues because you know just there was nothing left so that's my biggest piece of advice
0: what is the best piece of advice you received from someone more experienced than you when you were starting out
1: have merch i guess we played our first show in vancouver uh, at the cobalt and we played with this other band that was a bit more established than us and we didn't have anything i think we had like one shirt And even that was, like, we had, like, small, medium, large or something. And they were just like, what are you doing? Like, people, you're good. You need to have something that people can buy to support you. Don't come back here without a demo and uh, shirts in in sizes available for people. And so after that moment, never went anywhere without a whole buttload of merch. Which,
0: which you've been telling me earlier that uh, the tour's been going really well. You're at the point where there's multiple times that you have to reorder. Yes. Yeah, it's it's so. a good problem
1: to have, i <laughs> Well, this, this one just kind of took us by um, surprise a little bit. We um, had no idea that it was going to be like this. Um, so we were, I mean, we had a buttload of merch. It was just gone in four days, which was... Uh, Yeah, exactly. Like, you're just kind of like, what? What do you mean we don't have this, 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 or this, or this? I mean, we had, like, a hundred of those, and now they're gone. So, um, yeah, it's been absolutely incredible. And the fans have been amazing and just loud, so loud. There have been points where I can't even hear myself in my in-ears because the crowd has been singing with me so loud. So it's just kind of like... We're still in a bit of a a haze about it, I think. We just had no idea, really.
0: How long has it been since you toured the States and Canada?
1: We've kind of done, like, we did the West a little bit, 2016, 2017. But not like a big tour like this for, well, even three years ago, we just did the East. So it was kind of like we were breaking it up a lot there for a while. And um, so it's been, yeah... Probably a good four or five years since we did, like, the whole North American loop.
0: Wow. Yeah. And you guys dropped a new album last year, I want to say?
1: Yep. 2017. It was
0: recorded by?
1: Jacob Hansen. That's right. Hansen Studios, yeah.
0: On the way here, uh, my guitarist Chris Donaldson was writing. He says he's sorry he couldn't be here. Uh, He said uh, he loves Hansen. Yeah. Oh, man. He did, like, the new Volbeat. Yeah, he does all the Volbeat records, yeah. And he had a question. He was wondering, did you guys go there to record with him in Denmark.
1: Yes, yeah. We spent two How weeks was that? there. Yeah. It was amazing. We actually, um, we'd been wanting to record with Jacob for a while and so when we got um, booked on a, uh, Europe tour with Tear in 2016 we said well let's let's hurry finish the record and and go to Denmark after the tour and, and do the record there and Jacob was like yep yeah, I'm free and uh, so we it was really good because we were like really um, in great shape but the problem was is that we had to do pre-production and everything crazy right up until we left basically so we were in like album mode up until the tour and then we had to be in tour mode and then we were back into album mode again so um, I wouldn't recommend doing that again <laughs> next time I think we'll pre-produce and then go to the studio but um it was a lot of fun it was like a great experience and Jacob was like awesome and he was so chill and laid back and so we came to him with these songs and we were like okay so what needs to be changed like what sucks and he was like nothing he's like let's go hit record you know and so um he was just really chill and anytime i'd be like oh i just i don't know about this part and he'll be like just lay it down just lay it down and we'll listen and we'll see what happens and uh yeah it was just so like i would be freaking out and he'd be like we'll get it done just like so chill. You guys
0: were on like a tight time frame yeah. too, which makes it harder. Exactly.
1: Because we're over in Denmark. We only had a certain amount of time to get it all laid out. Otherwise, we would be recording, you know, in our home studios or up another place that might sound completely different. So we had to get all the tracking done when we were there in Denmark for those two weeks. Yeah, And then we did um, mixing and mastering kind of just over Skype and that kind of thing afterwards. Yeah.
0: Chris wants to record your next album.
1: <laughs> He's all about it. Uh, awesome.
0: I'm a huge Huge fan of Chris mm-hmm. and the Grid, uh, so uh, I told him that I would. <laughs>
1: <do> that. <laughs> All right, he, he, Chris, he I heard he you. <laughs> definitely
0: wants to record the awesome. Archers, dude. That'd be rad. What is the accomplishment you're most proud of?
1: Uh, hmm. Well, I guess we haven't done it yet, but. Getting to play 70,000 tons of metal is pretty cool. That's always kind of been a big dream for me. That's probably um, so far. And uh, Is it coming up? Is it booked? Yes. Yeah, uh, January 2019. So it was kind of always like, I never dared to hope. You know, the kind of, I've always been the kind of person that says no expectations, no disappointments. So, um, but... We're really excited to be invited to play that. That Um,
0: rugby training, uh, liquor-wise. Will it
1: pay off? I sure hope so. It it will most definitely pay off. (laughs) Because I've heard a lot of great stories. We don't don't talk about what happens on the boat. (laughs) What goes on the boat stays on the boat. All right. (laughs) I'll keep that in mind. I'll keep that in mind. Just
0: drunk stories. (laughs) And one misstep that you wish you could take back. Uh,
1: Starting the band after university. (laughs) I feel like the years just fly by so I wish I had started the band when I was younger I guess that's really all I can say um I mean there are some things of always though like on a recording that you wish you could change or do differently but yeah it's probably nothing really I don't know nothing major there's nothing that like stands out to me as like oh we never should have done that or anything which is good. It is a good thing. You're very <laughs> lucky for that.
0: If you could book a three band dream tour for Unleash the Archers, who would be on that tour? So yourself and two other bands.
1: Iced Earth would be one of them. I don't know. It's really important, you know, to be on a bill with bands that you enjoy listening to because <laughs> you have to listen to them every night. So, um, yeah, maybe like Queensryche, I guess. New Queensryche. I'm down. I'm down with them.
0: You've accepted the transition uh, in Queens, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, for
1: sure. Yeah. I listened to Condition Human, which was their, I think they've got a new one out this year, but it was a couple of years back. And I just, I loved it. And I was like, yep, I'm good with this. <laughs>
0: Do you feel, still follow Jeff Tate as well?
1: Um, not so much. Not, not, a, not as much as I probably should. I should check it out, though. I mean,
0: considering he inspired you back yeah, in the day,
1: absolutely, yeah.
0: <laughs> what is one of your craziest tour stories?
1: <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, well, when we in 2015 we did a tour with Crimson Shadows, which who are very good friends of ours, and that was a pretty wild tour. There was a lot of boozing, a lot party time every night pretty much. It was a really, really, really good time. And um, one night we were supposed to stay at this fan's house and she brought us over and everything and then uh, her mom came home unexpectedly and apparently we weren't supposed to be there.
0: <laughs>
1: so we got booted at like, I don't even know what time it was. It was a day off. So probably like 1 a.m., I think. And uh, so we just were in like a Walmart parking lot. And uh, it was in the States. so Of course, they sold booze. And it was cold. And um, so we just were like staying in the Walmart parking lot tonight and we're gonna get shitty and we did and it was very it was a very enjoyable evening right up until I broke the door of the bus that we were staying on because people were going in and out for smokes and stuff and so I was like I was the door operator like the official door operator (laughs) and I just yeah smash it was a little too rough on it, I guess. But, um, yeah, that was a pretty funny story. We still make fun of Corey for <laughs> suggesting the fan in the first place. <laughs> it was a really good time, though. That whole tour was just hilarious. Jokes and, yeah, a lot of boozing. <laughs> what about an absolute tour horror story? Was <clears throat> in the early days, we, uh, we had our own van. We called him the Vangina. Cause it was it was like a burgundy color, and then the interior was like like a rose pink color. Yeah. So um, there was that, and uh, he limped us through quite a few tours, and but one time we were heading to PEI. We were almost at the bridge. Yeah. And uh, smoke starts billowing out of our the hood of our car. And I can't remember whose bright idea it was to just keep going until we got to a mechanic. But by the time we got there, the entire engine had seized and we'd blown three of the caps on the... I can't remember what they're called. Radiator? No. It was like the engine itself.
0: Okay. I'm really bad with Yeah, no, shit. me too.
1: So they were like completely fused together and like we had just we had ruined ruined it but we had this amazing opportunity to open for leaves eyes in Toronto in three days so uh, we were in this tiny little town called Amherst we got ourselves a hotel and a mechanic willing to rebuild the engine and every morning we'd get up and we'd call him and we'd say how's it going and he'd say not today and we'd go ah oh. and we'd rent the hotel room for another night And um, I think it was actually five days. We missed all the Halifax leg and everything through the east, New Brunswick, all that. So we were in this hotel, and it just... It, it turned into like purgatory. It was really weird because it just felt like you'd walk out the front door, but then walk back in the front door, and you were never actually leaving the hotel. And it's like this weird kind of twilight zone thing that was happening. We were just stuck in this tiny town that had nothing except like one pub and a bowling alley, but it was only open on the weekend, you know, like it was crazy. Uh, and uh, so we were just desperate, desperate to get to Toronto for that show. And he, but he did it, and we made it like we pulled up to the venue just on time and it's pretty yeah
0: that's that's (laughs) <laughs> one of those moments. I can only imagine just those days. just
1: Having your entire engine rebuilt while on tour. Yeah, that was a weird one. <laughs> uh, needless to say, the next tour after that, she broke down and never came back again. <laughs> Poor
0: Mangina. Yeah. Van-gina.
1: <laughs> Vangina. Yep. It was a GMC Vandura. Oh, it's good times.
0: I've noticed on this tour through social media that you guys are doing a lot of sightseeing.
1: Yes. Yeah. On this tour. Yep. As much as we can.
0: That's uh, interesting. Interesting. It's cool that you have the time, and you're you find the time to do this.
1: We do. We try. Yeah, we've kind of picked out a few places that we want, that we things that we wanted to do, and we were like doesn't matter if we have to drive through the night. We're doing them. So the next one is Medieval Times. We're really, really trying to get Medieval Times done. We had it booked in Atlanta, and then we're idiots, so we missed it. Um, so we been trying to, like, get it in there. We were going to do New Jersey, and then now our next chance is Chicago. I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't
0: know what this is, so please give me a rundown of what Medieval Times is.
1: It's a restaurant where they do jousting and... Like a like, cable
0: guy. Uh, yeah,
1: that's exactly what it is. That is Medieval Times and you eat your food like from a trencher and you eat it with your hands and you just drink beer and um, watch knights fight each other and, and do games. And they have falconers and they have a whole storyline that goes behind it. They have a king and queen that sits up on a throne and oversees the whole thing. And yeah, it's pretty cool. That
0: sounds like a sick music video for you guys. <laughs> yes.
1: Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Yes. Find the closest medieval times and just set up shop.
0: What was the the best thing you saw on this tour so far, sightseeing-wise?
1: NASA, for sure. NASA was the coolest thing I've ever done in my whole life. And it wasn't just like the regular tour. We had a fan that worked there. So he brought us to everything. We got to see the ISS mock up where they that they use for training. We got to go in it. We got to see the new Orion capsule that's gonna be replacing the shuttle program. Um, we got to see the neutral buoyancy lab where they practice like spacewalks. So they're in like these crazy suits that work with the water so that they're like floating just like they would be in space and uh, we got to meet an astronaut who's gonna like one day go up into space and be out there and see our planet from way out there and who knows maybe even be one of the first guys on Mars I don't know you follow on Twitter it's uh I think it's astronaut Woody astronaut underscore Woody yeah I know that was just incredible I'm such a space nerd so I was just kind of freaking out the whole time so do you
0: believe in the moon or landing
1: Sure. Yeah. It doesn't really matter if it happened or not, because we're going to go back.
0: (laughs) Why haven't we yet?
1: Right. Yeah. Well, (laughs) uh, apparently, from what we learned from everyone there, Obama wasn't a really big fan of NASA, so he kind of cut funding a lot. Um, I think it was something like 15,000 people lost their jobs at NASA, something crazy like that. And I'm not trying to... I loved Obama. I thought he was great. But... um, I just don't think that he saw the potential of what NASA can be, not just for learning, um, you know, for kind of paving the way for new inventions, that kind of thing, but also just as a kind of a beacon of hope for young kids that are into science or, in, you know, someone, I can't remember who it was that said, but, like, if you're into sports, you can always play pro football. If you're into music, you can always, you know, be a, a celebrity musician but when you're super smart what do you have the nobel prize that's won by one genius a year you know or five or six geniuses whatever and depending on the categories it's there isn't that superstar program or thing for them so that's kind of like yeah you're right nasa is astronauts are those celebrity superstars for for smart people so i think um and I'm not going to say that I like Trump, but he's putting a lot more into it. And I think that with someone that understands the importance of NASA behind them, then then maybe we will go back to the moon. <laughs>
0: For his space force.
1: <laughs> okay, that's just ridiculous.
0: What are some of your guilty music pleasures?
1: Oh, the new Katy Perry album is pretty awesome. The last one that she did, oh yeah, so good. I listened to that a lot. Oh, I don't know. I'm not really like ashamed of anything that I listen to. I listen to like a little bit of indie stuff. There's actually a, a chick, well, band called Ostra from Ontario that I've been listening to quite a bit. She's super rad. Um, I think there there shouldn't be guilty music pleasures. You know what I mean? Like, because all music is, it means something to to everyone. It's like
0: you should never be ashamed yeah of right if
1: you like like something really freaking weird unless it's like i don't know weird racist music or something which you should yes, definitely it's got a hook yeah um yeah just kind of if it if it inspires you then listen to it and don't be afraid to tell people that you do
0: who do you think the next big metal band is going to be?
1: The next big metal band? I don't know. Unleash the Archers? <laughs> um, <laughs> you can say that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I,
0: like there'll never it's be not, another it's hard Metallica. To say. Oh no, another Slayer. No. The Big Four is, is never going to get to that level again.
1: No, no. It's unfortunate. It's just not the way that the world works anymore. I've been uh, listening to this really cool band um, recently called. Uh, th- there's like a candy that's named the same thing, and I always say Sun- the wrong sunburst. Sunburst, that's the one. I always want to say starburst, and I'm like, oh sunburst? no! I see, I was
0: th- I was thinking, yeah, starburst, sunburst. right? Exactly. I'm so sunburst. Like, no, I never heard of no. them.
1: It's they're amazing. They're so good, and I really think that they have the potential to be huge. And I just, yeah, no one ever really knows who they are. Whenever I talk about them, but. They're really rad. I've been listening to them a lot lately. So
0: what style of music is that? It's like
1: kind of um, not power metal, but it's like a very melodic traditional metal with a bit with synth and that kind of thing in it. So keyboards. So it's uh, pretty catchy, clean vocals. All clean. Yeah. Really good stuff. Though very uplifting and like kind of just fun and happy. And the guy's voice is dreamy just awesome
0: (laughs) your favorite album of the moment
1: Uh, The Sin and the Sentence by Trivium I guess I've been listening to it a lot I was never really a big Trivium person back in the day but um, I think it came on like a Spotify list or something or it was just like playing songs that were like sounds like kind of thing you know how it does that just kind of plays them um and a song came on and i was like whoa what is this and i i was like hey google who, who are we listening to right now and they're like this is trivium from the album blah 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 and i was like dang so i downloaded the whole well i streamed the whole thing and just have been like oh my god this is amazing like why did i never listen to these guys before but then I learned that they have a new drummer who kind of very much affected the sound. And He's it's my kind boy. Of, I know that guy. Yeah, yeah. dude. Incredible.
0: Alex Bend. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, and the, he kind of brought it into the modern metal world, you know, a little bit of a younger twist on things.
0: He's a fantastic drummer. He grew up in the religious churches and he learned, uh, you know, all his drumming in that Californian, like... Religious cr- church Crazy gospel stuff. Cool. No, man.
1: He does some really neat stuff. And I'm like very intrigued. And I'm always like, you know, if I'm not singing along, I'm doing the air guitar or whatever. But with this, <laughs> this album, I am air drumming like a maniac. So oh, cool. it's awesome. Yeah.
0: Well, shout out to Alex Bent. Love that guy. What does Unleash the Archers have coming up after this tour?
1: Well, um, aside from 70,000 Tons in the winter, we're going to do an EP in the spring, I think, probably. Um, and it's uh, it's just a little two-song, seven-inch, that we're going to put out there. And uh, But one of the songs is um, a, a UTA twist on a Canadian folk song that we're really excited about. So uh, hopefully people will love it as much as we do. Kind of makes my heart... Explode every time I hear it because I just I just love the song so much, like the original song. So, um, and then take a breather, I think, and write the next record.
0: Awesome! That sounds amazing. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you, Brittany, for sitting down with me, having a beer,
1: <laughs> very tasty beer. Yeah.
0: Cheers, one more time to uh, La <clears throat> It's warmed up a little bit, but not quite because we're sitting out on the patio. <laughs> it still smells good. <laughs> It's a nice, dry, refreshing brew.
1: It is very good. I appreciate it. Nice choice.
0: Thanks for being on Vox and Hops.
1: Well, thank you for having me.
0: What's up, everybody? Thank you so so much for listening to Vox and Hops, no- episode number twelve. Brittany was just so generous with me. I had this whole, I sit down with her, we start recording the the podcast, and I look down and I have no memory card in my Zoom. So I ran to like a local Best Buy and I bought an extra f- memory card. And you know, and I'm like, fuck. Every time there's a mistake, it's a learning experience. And you know, this podcast is not perfect, but I'm doing my best. And every day, I'm you know trying to learn something something. something new, push forward, make it better, make the sound better. I'm open to all of your comments and super interested in everything that you guys have to say, suggesting how to make this podcast better. So if you have any suggestions, please contact Matt at voxandhops.com. Next up on the podcast, I sit down with Sébastien Crato, the singer of Necrotic Mutation. Now, this guy is a vocal beast. He tells me about how he brought Necrotic Mutation back to life. He tells me how he sang in a play... With death metal vocals and a death metal band in a theater, a seated theater for elderly people coming to watch, you know, a theater piece. And he also tells me about how he's created this business around making voices for monsters and video games. So check it all out on Vox and Hops, episode number 13, with Sebastien Croteau. All the best. Thanks for listening. This is.